3: What's going on Packer fans? Happy Sunday. Welcome into an all new episode of the Packer Day Podcast. I'm your host Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packer Day Podcast. Of course, make sure to subscribe, like, comment, give those five star reviews to all the things that you guys are always amazing at doing. Anyway, appreciate you a ton. Appreciate you being here. Today is an NFL Sunday. It's not a Packers Sunday, but it's an NFL Sunday. There are so precious few of these remaining, so enjoy the heck out of it. And there is plenty to cheer for from a Packers standpoint, even though there is not a Packers game. If you want to know who to cheer for, who to cheer against, all the wins and losses that you're hoping for today, check out my episode from yesterday. I went through a full primer of everyone to cheer for and against on Sunday, so make sure to check that out. But today is not going to be talking about the games that are going on today. In fact, today is not even going to be talking about the Packers-Giants game that's going on tomorrow. There's plenty of time for that tomorrow. Instead, today is about the masterful job that Goody has done over the past year in transitioning this team from Aaron Rodgers and a veteran-led team that went 8-9 and nine a season ago to a team that currently sits at 6-6 six and six, with the number 7 seed in the NFC playoff race with a real legitimate shot to make the playoffs, with the youngest roster in football and a team that has grown tremendously in just kind of overall experience and meaning like they've gained a ton of valuable experience and are really making noise in the NFC in a year where this wasn't necessarily supposed to happen. It wasn't supposed to go this way. Making that transition from guys like Aaron and Mercedes Lewis, Adrian Amos, Mason Crosby, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, and the list kind of goes on, this was not supposed to be easy. You heard you know, fans of other teams in the offseason, specifically the team a little bit south of Green Bay, that were celebrating, that were going crazy over the fact that Green Bay finally wasn't going to be Green Bay anymore. They were going to get to suffer in the cellar of the NFC North, and everyone else was going to be, oh, not so fast, everyone. And the reason that Green Bay, at least one of the reasons that Green Bay has been able to make this transition so seamless so far is Brian Gutekunst and what he's been able to do over the past year in transitioning this roster to the youngest roster in football, but a roster that is hungry, it's competitive, it's united, and it's a whole heck of a lot of fun. So, what I figure we could do today is kind of go over this in a little bit different way than I've done in the past. And that's kind of going position by position from quarterback to special teams and reviewing what moves Goody did make, what moves he did not make. And if it's been a net positive positive, a net negative, neutral, or however it kind of shakes out, and I think you're going to be surprised. Maybe not. Maybe you're just already well in the know. But just how many of these positions have really trended in the right direction, despite moving on from some pretty valuable players that were big-time pieces for this Packers team over the course of the past few seasons. So let's start. Where else would you start with this journey other than at quarterback? It's not supposed to be this seamless, going from a Hall of Fame Mount Rushmore, uh, you know, one of the greatest of all time quarterbacks to a first time unproven Jordan Love. And this has gone, I think, as well as Green Bay could have ever hoped or expected. And I don't mean that from uh, Aaron Rodgers and like an injury standpoint. That sucks all the way around. Nobody wanted to see that. Everyone was hoping that they could see Aaron play in New York and see what that would look like. And it was just going to be a really fun NFL story and a really fun, you know, another great reason to follow the NFL this year was Aaron in New York. That didn't go according to plan for New York or the NFL. But from a Green Bay side of things, getting off of Aaron's massive contract getting the Jets to trade extremely valuable resources for that contract and for the right to pay all of that money, Green Bay sort of taking their medicine and taking some of the dead salary cap hits this year and next year that they were going to have to take at some point, but took them now, which was the smart thing to do, and ultimately deciding that it was Jordan's time. That's never easy. And I know that there was a feeling at the time when Aaron got traded, I think in Green Bay and amongst... A decent amount of Packer fans that this time was building, Like it it didn't feel quite as jarring and as shocking as when Brett got traded and that whole fiasco went down. It felt a little bit more organic. It felt a little bit more of like, yeah, it feels like kind of maybe it was the right time. That doesn't make it any more easy. And as I've mentioned on numerous occasions in the offseason, it's one thing for me or a fan or somebody else, an analyst, whomever, to say, yeah. Trade Aaron Rodgers away. That's a great idea. It's another when, A, there's a human element to it, and B, when when you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, there's a lot of job security that comes along with that. It's almost, it's near impossible for you to be a bad enough team to get fired when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. It, he's just like going to rise the level of everything to, at minimum, like at worst case scenarios, basically last year, right? Where you're 8-9 and just missed the playoffs by a game. And that's maybe not good enough for last season and what you were hoping for and expecting, but often that's not enough to get you fired. And like I said, the, the job security and the stability that comes with having Aaron at quarterback is real. It's a real tangible you know, aspect of having him on the roster. You go away from that and you go to an unproven commodity at the most important position in all of sports and the volatility that can come with that is massive. And when you have volatility, you have high highs, maybe, and you have low lows. And with low lows can come terminations, firings, all of those sort of things. You know that if things bottom out and don't go the way that you're hoping them to, you could end up w- without a job. So, like I said, it's easy for prognosticators, analysts, whomever, bloggers, podcasters to say, yeah, move on from Aaron. It's harder when you're in that chair and when you're trying to do everything to A, help the Packers, but B, you kind of like staying in that chair if you're the GM and head coach. But they made the move. It was the right move to make. It felt like the right move to make at the time. And it feels even more like it was the right move to make as of right now with the benefit of hindsight. Again, you get off the contract, you go with your hopefully future franchise quarterback in Jordan Love. He's turned out great and you get some serious draft compensation in return. Now, if we want to nitpick things, I have seen some people point out of like, hey, it was now a mistake by Goot to not, you know, figure out a way to guarantee that next year's pick would be a first round pick no matter what. In likelihood, you know, maybe that includes not being able to move up in the first round to pick, what was it, from 16 to 14 or 14 to 12, one of those uh, to go up and get LVN. Um, Maybe that would not have been in the trade. Maybe they would have had to thrown in an additional like third or fourth round pick next year or something like that to even that out as well. We could argue that maybe Brian should have been a little bit more careful or a little bit more greedy in trying to get that to be a guaranteed first round pick no matter what. I think the cost to do so would have been maybe exorbitant to what they were trying to accomplish. And I think the Jets were pushing back extremely hard, and you know, wanting to not give that up to give themselves this exact situation and scenario where they were all in on Aaron for one year, and if Aaron got hurt, now they would have nothing to show for it. If they, you know, if, if he did go down early, and he goes down in the what the third, fourth snap of the season, so the the Jets were smart to give themselves some insurance in case this exact situation happened. I'm sure. Goody tried everything that he could to get that to be a first-round pick next year. At some point, you have to compromise. I thought Goody got great value on the deal overall and have no regrets on anything. And and the injury is just a fluke injury. It happens. It's unfortunate. And it certainly is much worse for New York on their side of things than it is for Green Bay on their side of things, even though that you lose out on a first-round pick. That being said... If, if Aaron plays all year, and I think that Jets team just isn't good enough in general, that offensive line, whatever, but like Aaron would have helped them a ton. So let's just say they get maybe pick 24 in the draft. If Aaron's playing, they might get pick 34, 35 now, if without him playing, it's not like this massive drop from like pick eight to pick 30 something. So now if they could have got the first round pick, no matter what, then yeah, then there's a big drop off there. But I think the Jets were fighting tooth and nail to keep that first round pick next year more than anything. And like I said, Goody got great value. And overall, this is a massive, massive win for Green Bay. So they also got Sean Clifford in the second round. And I think that was a a smart move for a pick that got panned at the time as being like he's not a draftable player. All preseason and training camp, he looked like a legitimate backup. Now, hopefully we don't have to test that anytime soon, maybe ever, but in his limited playing time and in preseason, from what we saw, he definitely looked a part of a backup quarterback. So much so that in a couple bad Jordan games, people were calling for Sean Clifford to be the starter. So that definitely feels like a right move as well. So quarterback went very, very well this past offseason, as well as you could possibly have it go when you're transitioning from a Hall of Famer to an unknown commodity. This has been a home run for Goody so far. Running back's an interesting one. You get Aaron Jones to kind of take the pay cut and stick around. A.J. Dillon's going to play out the last year of his contract. You find Emmanuel Wilson, in undrafted free agency. And unfortunately, you have some injuries along the way. Dillon has a tough start to the year, but then kind of picks off where he left off previously in his career. Jones has been injured basically since week one with a little uh, handful of snaps here and there um, with a couple weeks that he's played in between. This is probably one of the very few positions that you could argue that maybe Goot should have been a bit more aggressive in trying to find a player that would be able to come in and add some juice to this team, specifically through the draft. They didn't need like another, like they don't need to go out and sign like an Ezekiel Elliott or something like that in the offseason or shouldn't have. But if they could have found somebody in like the third, fourth, fifth round to just, again, add a little bit of a spark to this offense, I think that maybe could have been in their best interest. It's tough to say, like, if there's no injuries and Jones and Wilson just stay healthy, there's a good chance that Jones, Dylan, and Wilson is just a good trio of running backs. But I think this this running back group is still still missing a little bit of juice. And if you want to really be uh, a critic here, I think the big mistake here was the seventh round selection of Lou Nichols. And you might be like, oh, who cares? It's a seventh round selection. I've talked about this a little bit before. Green Bay had two pre-draft visits with running back. They may have had more than two, but they had two in particular with late round slash undrafted free agent type guys, Lou Nichols and Keaton Mitchell, who is currently a Baltimore Raven and currently tearing things up in Baltimore. Insanely fast, like just a game breaker. Anytime he touches the ball, catches the ball of the backfield. Well, he looks awesome in Baltimore. Lou Nichols, ends up getting released, never really had a great chance based on his injuries that happened, but gets released. I think he's currently on the Eagles practice squad, if memory serves. That decision could have flipped. And remember, they brought both of them in for a a top 40 pre-draft visit, and they got that one wrong. So they got an up-close look at both of those running backs, Nichols and Mitchell, and they decided that Nichols was the better option, and Keaton Mitchell has been by far and away the better option. And his speed that like him and Dylan as a thunder and lightning right now, while Aaron Jones has been out, would have been beautiful. And having that as an option long term for you would have been amazing. So that was like the one thing where if you really want to get in the, you know, muck of the late seventh round slash undrafted free agent decisions, going with Keaton Mitchell over Lou Nichols would have been a really, really big win. That said, like everyone passed on Keaton Mitchell, all every team in every round with every pick passed on Keaton Mitchell. So it wasn't just Goody that got that wrong. The Ravens picked him up in undrafted free agency. Nichols didn't turn out. They quickly moved on. They found Emmanuel Wilson, used that spot for him. But if there's one position where you were maybe wanting just a little bit more, and maybe there could have been uh, an earlier draft pick, or maybe just taking Mitchell in the seventh round, that probably could have been it. And maybe would have solved a couple of the the run game issues, especially early in the season. But most of this issue is predicated on Aaron Jones getting hurt. And if that doesn't happen, nobody probably cares all that much about what happened with the back of the roster running back position, right? So overall, nothing too bad to, to kind of gripe about, but maybe a couple things here and there that you could say they could have done a little bit differently. Wide receiver has been phenomenal for Green Bay. They let Allen Lazard and Randall Cobb walk. Neither of them can get playing time in New York at the moment. And Lazard got one of the biggest free agent wide receiver deals of any wide receiver this past offseason. Like, he, I think it was four years, $44 million, something like that. Like, he got paid. And there was not other veterans out there, really. The Odell Beckham deal has turned out pretty well for Baltimore, but they paid him a ton. Like, there hasn't been a lot of the wide receiver deals that have, like, panned out. So Green Bay was wise to avoid the free agent market at wide receiver. They were wise to let Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb walk. And just to add the cherry on the Sunday, they get Jaden Reed in the second round, who was like, people thought they overdrafted him at the time. Not so fast. He's pretty darn good. Dontavian Wicks, a huge find in the fifth round for the, the value there is amazing. Green Dubose in the seventh, still sitting on the practice squad, but then they get Malik Heath as an undrafted free agent that's amazing. That is job well done, mission accomplished from Brian Gudekinst. And for all the talk of like, well, they need some veterans in the room, man, just let these young wide receivers cook because Watson, Dobbs, Wicks, Reed, Malik Heath, like that group is a good group of wide receivers. They're ultra talented and they just need time. And we're seeing that the longer that this season goes on, the more and more these wide receivers are developing. They're learning the system. They're on the same page with Jordan Love, which is exactly what you wanted to see this quarterback group and this wide receiver group, like basically come up and and play together at the same time. It's working beautifully so far, and Goody deserves a ton of credit for not spending a ton of money on a free agent wide receiver that just would have stunted the growth of all of these other tremendous younger wide receivers. Great, great job by Goody here.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
3: What's going on, Packer fans? It is time that you make Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. If you guys know anything about me whatsoever, you know that I love pizza, that every time the Packers win, I have a victory pizza. And what you should also know is that victory pizza is from Little Caesars. I This is no joke. Little Caesars, by far and away, my favorite pizza. What you can do is you can order online during their Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And then you can get ready for football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza. Pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. For me, I have the same order every single time. I'm going with their hot and ready pizza, pepperoni, no questions about it. And more importantly than anything else, always, 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 always get the crazy bread. It is in my opinion, the best food that you can get on the market. I'm not joking. I love crazy bread. Love, love, love crazy bread. Get it every single time you win when you get crazy bread. And speaking of winning, Literally everyone scores with convenient delivery or their in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the game, and always get your victory pizza from Little Caesars. You won't regret it. Pizza, pizza. Hey, friends. That was until I found GameTime. GameTime is so easy to use with a low price guarantee, event cancellation protection, easy to find tickets, and an even easier to use app. GameTime is the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through emails and have those same panicky moments that I did the day of a game. So next time you're buying tickets, make sure you snag them using GameTime, stress-free. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code Packaday for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Packaday for $20 off. Oh, and GameTime is also a great way to buy tickets for a holiday gift. Just make sure to use code Packaday. Download GameTime today, last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet, do you want to play alongside some of Prize Pick's favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? you can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each week. I've had so much fun making prize picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports have a ton of variety and different options to choose from. And the player choices are immense. sports made easy. Tight end. Let Robert Tunyon walk. Hasn't done much so far. And let Mercedes Lewis walk. He's played well, but only like 150 snaps. And I get like, I think we've all made the argument of like, maybe just keep Mercedes around. And that probably helps, you know, just the the blocking and it probably helps these tight ends just maybe develop a little bit quicker. These tight ends have been developing pretty quickly on their own. I think John Dunn, the tight ends coach, has done an awesome job developing these tight ends. The fact that you have three rookies, and we'll just go over those now. Luke Musgrave, they get in the second round. They get Tucker Craft in the third round, who's playing better and better every single week. And then Ben Sims as a waiver claim, as an undrafted free agent after the Vikings cut him at cutdown time. That's another huge pickup out of nowhere. All three of those have been net positives. Three rookies, Playing positive football in their rookie season at one of the toughest positions to play in the NFL from college to the NFL, it's just it's really fun to watch, and you are seeing these tight ends grow right before our eyes. It's unfortunate that Musgrave had the the kidney issue, lacerated kidney, and he, hopefully he can get back before the season's over. His health is of the utmost importance first, but they found three tight ends that are worth developing, that are playing well already, and should only continue to get better over their career in Green Bay, and are playing better than the group of Tunyon and and, uh, Lewis did last year, or what they're even doing right now. It's another net positive for for Goody with uh, his, his transition from old to young at the tight end position. Offensive line is more interesting. I think the first thing you have to do, you have to take the entire David Bakhtiari situation and just set it to the side. I don't know what, like, it's just, it's this, it's its own sort of black hole, enigma, whatever you want to call it. I don't think anyone could have managed the situation much differently. You're just hoping he's going to come back. He keeps not being able to, keeps getting hurt. He played well last year. You just set that aside. It's a no-win situation, like, almost no matter what you do. So you just kind of set that to the side. Outside of that, he did nothing on the offensive line. You just kind of let this team stay as is. You could argue that maybe they could have used a little bit more competition, but like you're seeing now some of the fruits of like Rasheed Walker playing a little bit better, Zach Tom playing so much better in year two. Maybe could have used some competition for Runyon and and you know and Josh Myers, but Myers has played better as of late. You do have some competition there for Runyon and Sean Ryan that they picked in the third round last year, just kind of developing these guys. And while you can argue that you'd love some more competition and maybe a little bit more depth along the offensive line. So would 31 other teams in the NFL. It's tough to find. It, it's really, really difficult to find offensive line, good offensive line play. I, you know what? They, they decided that it wasn't a great offensive line draft. And that or more importantly, like they had 10 or 11 guys that were worth keeping on the offensive line and just developing and just drafting someone to cut somebody else and not even knowing which of those would ultimately be better. I understand the decision. Don't hate it. They had a lot of needs elsewhere. They were hoping Bakhtiari was going to come back and play at a high level. He did in week one, but then of course had the injury issue again. No, no major issues here. They let Jake Hansen walk. That's worked out fine. And they just kind of decided to keep their guys and they have depth. Some of these guys need to play a little bit better, but overall understand the decision. Don't hate it. Don't think it was anything negative. All right, let's jump to the defense. Along the defensive line, they let Jaron Reed and Dean Lowry walk. Reed's played decent in Seattle. Lowry has been Dean Lowry and got hurt also in Minnesota. And in their replacements, they get Carl Brooks and Colby Wooden, two players that look like they can be long-term players for Green Bay. And I don't want to put any ceiling or any floor on either of them. I think both of them still have a lot of growth to do, specifically as run defenders. But they've provided good depth for Green Bay. Both of them look like rotational players along the defensive line. They don't look out of place. And that's a big step like for rookies, day three picks. If you can look like solid rotational players as rookies, hopefully that's a good sign of what's to come moving forward. I don't feel like there's been a big drop-off. Now, TJ Slayton and Devontae Wyatt have been the huge beneficiaries of Reed and Lowry leaving. Wyatt and Slayton have had up and down years, but again, the the main replacements here taking their spots on the roster are Brooks and Wooden. You have to be excited about their long-term prospects, certainly much more than the long-term prospects of Dean Lowry and Jerron Reed. So that seems like another step in the right direction. At edge, you let Jonathan Garvin go. You let Hollins go mid-season this year, and you draft LVN. You still have Preston. You still have Gary. You still have Enigbare. You get Brenton Cox in undrafted free agency. But LVN this is one where maybe you could nitpick again. You could say, hey, there were better options there in the first round. You know, Roger Jones would have been a great pick. Christian Gonzalez would have been a phenomenal pick. I'm sure there's other ones as well, but those two come to the top of mind. LVN was never meant to be a short-term play. LVN was always a long-term play. And they knew that they had Preston, Gary, and Inigbari right now. They didn't need him to come in and be this dominant player from day one. If he would have, that would have been great, but this was a long-term play. We're starting to see a little bit of a huge sack this past week of Patrick Mahomes. We still see the athleticism on display. Has a long way to go as like a proven pass rusher with a pass rush plan and knows how to just beat offensive linemen with any level of consistency, but it's going to take some time. Similar trajectory you're hoping as Rashawn Gary had, and we'll see if in a year or two years that he can become that player that kind of Rashawn has. And if he can, that's still a home run. I don't think he's been bad. He just hasn't had the impact that you're hoping from a top 15 pick in the NFL draft we'll see what comes of that. Again, if you want to nitpick it and say there were better options, I get it. I understand. But again, this was not a short-term play. There's a long-term play. And still, he's like the number four edge rusher in Green Bay. Like you still upgraded that position by going from Jonathan Garvin. And you know, remember there's like Leonard Hamilton and all those guys, Tepa Now you've got LVN in there with the other three. And you still have Brenton Cox too, if you need him at some point, who I think has some long-term playability as well with this team linebacker, they let Chris Barnes walk. He goes to the Cardinals in free agency, has played pretty well in limited snaps. They found Christian Welch off the scrap heap and added him as a core special teams player. In hindsight, you probably just keep, you know, keep Chris Barnes. He's done a pretty nice job in Arizona, like I said, in mostly limited playing time, but he would have allowed you a little bit more depth at the you know, off-ball linebacker position. Still could have played special teams and just as a better overall NFL player than Christian Welch is. If that's one of Goody's biggest strikes against him, you're doing great. Like that, there's no harm, no foul in this. It's not like Barnes is playing at a Pro Bowl level in Arizona. He's played well when he's gotten in. That's all I'll say. Like he he still isn't like a full time starter or anything like that. But I think if you probably have that back, you probably just keep Barnes on the roster and let you know you maybe don't pick up Christian Welch in that case. But it's not not a major issue one way or the other. All right, at corner they let Shamar Jean Charles walk. Razul Douglas gets traded midseason for the third round pick. They draft Carrington Valentine in the seventh round, which is a gem of a find in the seventh round. Then they pick up Robert Rochelle, David Long Jr. And as of recording this, Caillou Blue Kelly, one of those could be gone if they activate Eric Stokes. Maybe they already did as you're listening to this, but... They do have those three that they picked up. We don't really know enough about any of those three as of yet to say if they are any viable options. I think the big thing is that they found a way to keep Corey Valentine around. He was a practice squad guy to begin with, but they were able to ele- elevate him to the active roster eventually. And he's been pretty darn good for them, especially as a fill-in guy that was supposed to just be a special teams guy. And then the Carrington-Valentine one. Plus you get a third round pick. I know they had to give up a fifth, but you still get a top 100 pick for Razul Douglas. That looks like it's going to be a top 75 pick. You don't hate anything here that Goody did overall. You wish Jair was healthy. You wish Stokes was healthy. And this probably looks a little bit different at corner, but the Carrington-Valentine pickup was huge and Corey Valentine keeping him around and him playing solid just shows another you know great way that just Goody finds these gem players kind of out of nowhere. So, corner, no, no major issues there either. Safety, Adrian Amos, they let him walk. He goes to the Jets. He just got released from the Jets. The Texans pick him off, up off of waivers. Tariq Carpenter, they let go. He's been up and down off the practice squad in Pittsburgh. Dallin Levitt, they let go mid-season. and Gaines is gone after getting his three elevations to the active roster this year. And in he brought in Jonathan Owens, Anthony Johnson Jr., and Zane Anderson. Also brought back Rudy Ford. I think overall, this has been solid, fine. You still wish they had maybe a long-term option here. We'll see if Anthony Johnson Jr. can develop into that. Zane Anderson looks like he could be a really nice special teams player over the course of the next couple seasons, but... It's it's been fine, nothing spectacular. They didn't reach at safety in a really poor safety draft, and I think that was an important step for them. I think getting Anthony Johnson Jr. in the seventh round was as good as anything they could have really done from a safety draft standpoint. Um, again, without the benefit of hindsight, but I, I don't hate anything here. Don't love anything that they did, but I don't. If you you're moving on from Amos Carpenter, Levitt, Gaines is all fine. Owens has been a nice find. Anthony Johnson Jr. has been a nice find. Zane Anderson as a special teamer has been a nice find. So like overall what they've done there special teams gone are Pat O'Donnell Mason Crosby and Jack Coco Matt Orzack spent a clear upgrade over Jack Coco Daniel Whalen a clear upgrade over Pat O'Donnell they made the right decision there never easy it's similar to quarterback but obviously not quite as important but when you've got a veteran like Mason Crosby who's been so good for so long, And you move to an unproven rookie that you know there's gonna be some ups and downs with, that's never an easy transition. I think the Carlson transition's gone about as well as you could possibly imagine going from this insanely good Packer Hall of Fame kicker in Mason Crosby to a unknown commodity. Still gonna be some hiccups along the way. Totally expect that. But for a first year for Carlson, I would say so far so good, with some improvement still needed, no question about it. So overall. The season, you're having a team that is younger, that is gaining some invaluable experience, that's outperforming the team from a season ago, and has transitioned from a variety of important veterans on this team to a lot of unknown, unproven players. And it's going really well so far with a team that's currently trending towards being in the playoffs, gaining invaluable experience through that. And who knows? Right now, they look like a team that nobody's super stoked about playing in the playoffs either you have to give Goody a ton of credit. And one of the things that he said, and I've talked about this before that stood out to me, Jason Wildey asked a a question of one time of, he's like, you know, he worded it in a way only Wildey can. He does a great job asking those questions. But basically of saying like, I would have kept Mercedes Lewis and you you know, all these attachments and like, there's so much value. Like why, why go with all of these younger players? And Goody in a perfect way said, we weren't good enough last year. We weren't good enough at eight and nine and we had to get better. And a lot of times, the only way to get better is by bringing in new talent. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, some of this, but it's to bring new t- talent in and let them grow and let them get better. You knew where your ceiling was with Aaron and Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tunyon, Jerron Reed, Dean Lowry, Adrian Amos. We can go on and on. We knew that keeping that trying to keep that team together for another season was probably foolhardy. You went 8-9 and last year, and you had to find ways to create new competitions, to get new talented players in the building, and to let them grow organically. That's what Goody did, and it's gone very, very well so far. Job not done. A lot of season left. They need to continue to trend in the right direction. They'll get that first opportunity to do so against the Giants on Monday Night Football. But so far, Goody deserves a ton of credit for the moves that he's made over the course of the last year. Could you nitpick a couple things here and there? Maybe keep a Chris Barnes, maybe take a Keaton Mitchell instead of a Lou Nichols at running back in the seventh round. Sure. Every GM has like way more mistakes than that, than they've made this past offseason. I think Goody is hitting pretty close to as well as you could possibly expect given all the decisions that he had to make this past offseason. Like when you make that many huge decisions as a GM, you're just bound to screw up some. Like it just happens where you let go of a guy and he goes and tears it up somewhere else. Or you expect a player to step up and he just doesn't. There just hasn't been that much of that for Green Bay so far. Really great job. He deserves all the credit he's being given right now. And this team is now, like I said, primed to make a playoff run. And I'm excited to see what all these young players that continue to progress and perform at a high level can do against the Giants this Monday night on Monday Night Football. That's going to do it for me today. Shout out to our Hall of Fame and All-Pro members, PJ Wynn, Most Hated Minnesotan, John Wild, Che Bradad, Arnoldo Espinosa, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Lori Lord, Donald Lee, Baby QB, and MB1023. I'll be right back here tomorrow previewing the game. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Check out those pack podcast memberships. But until next time, and as always, Go pack Go.